Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here as always with my co-host, Donna Lee. Hello, everybody. I heard the word ebullient the other day, just like sometimes you refer to me as. Yes. And I was just so excited some other human in the world knew what that meant. You know what word I heard recently is that we were interviewing a new physician assistant uh-huh. and she said cruciferous she vegetables. Did not. Oh. The, but then I realized she, she had listened to a previous episode and mm-hmm. she was just kissing ass. Yeah. I told her, I said, it you'll worked. be impressed. I said, you'll, he'll be impressed if you listen to her podcast. And yes. She listened oh, yeah. to the cruciferous vestibules one. <laughs> <laughs> even, even. Or vegetables. Even, even when I know somebody <laughs> has just read my little, my little blurb on the website, uh-huh. but they've read it, it always makes me feel pretty good. You do? Yeah. So it's pretty easy to please me. I don't know. She, we hired her, didn't we? <laughs> I'm a board certified urologist and this is a men's health show. The Armour Men's Health Hour is here on the radio, but also also available by podcasts wherever you podcast. That's right. At perfeedspot.com, we are the number two best, most informative men's wellness program on the entire intranet, which means the universe. That's right. Until aliens show it, up it, with podcasts. It's, it's all the way out there. That's right. Our internet we signals are everywhere. We are number two. We are number two. <laughs> We are. This show is brought to you by the Urology Practice. I started in 2007. We are now up to four physician providers, five mid-level providers, two pelvic floor physical therapists, a sex therapist, and a really holistic approach to men's health and women's health when it comes to urology. We uh, see a lot of women. We do. We do. We just. I, I talked to a woman about Votiva or vaginal radiofrequency rejuvenative medicine today, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was a great conversation to really help her out. And we do a lot of women's uh, hormone wellness. Mm-hmm. So, although we do a lot, uh, this show, you know, we talk a lot about men. Yeah, we have a lot of ladies listening, though, who've sent in a lot of questions. So, I yeah. think we need to change it. Maybe the Armor Wellness Hour. I don't know. It's going to be really hard to change the title in the Apple podcast thing. That's true. But we could just stick with That's What She Said segments. We'll just stay to the segment. Okay, but why don't you tell people how to get a hold of us? <laughs> you can call us during the week at 512-238-0762. Our website is armormenshealth.com. Our email address to send your incredible questions is armormenshealth at gmail.com. And in later segments... I have some doozies. That's that's great. That's great. It'll be amazing. So, you know, I had this question in my head and Mm -hmm. I needed to get a guest to answer it. You know what that question is? Tell me. What kind of car does a podiatrist drive? (laughs) I bet he knows. And and what were you going to say? I was going to say a foot pedal. Yes. Although it was funny. I don't think it really achieved what we wanted. (laughs) So today we have Dr. Andrew Cassidy. He's a podiatrist. Uh, His practice is Lone Star Podiatry. And he is going to help us understand feet better. So do you have an answer for my question? Well, it's not the Fred Flintstone car. Yes. So I know that. Yes, because um, that would have given you bad feet. It's the tow truck. <laughs> it's the tow truck. Of course it is. I stole that off the internet. He did. Very much so. Dr. Cassidy, we all know that urologists deal with one main bone, but my basic anatomy told me Why'd that Why'd you do the fist like that? Because the, the, the neck bone is attached to the shoulder bone, to the penis, penis bone, bone. And, then, and then the foot bone. So I thought, you know what? Oh. We should learn more about feet. But uh, the actual truth of it is, is that I've been suffering from severe plantar fasciitis for almost two years to the point where I've tried so many different things and I thought that there may be a good number of people out there uh, that are suffering from the same thing hmm. uh, and from foot-related conditions. And I thought it would be great to have like an expert come on, give you know everybody a 10-minute consultation on foot pain. So um, maybe you could tell us, with people being a little bit more sedentary and stuck at home, how has that affected kind of the how people are presenting with foot pain? 
Well, you know, one is when your feet hurt, you don't move, right? And then you become less active. And when you sit down in life, you start to die. That's and right. So that's a, that's a big issue. For plantar fasciitis, um, it can be construed as heel pain, arch pain. It comes in different forms sometimes, depending on where it is. The biggest thing people need to realize is it's not a cushion issue. You know, people think, you know, that's the hardest part for people to get over. We have pain on the bottom of the foot. We think we need more gush down there. And I tell my patients, go home and duct tape couch cushions to your feet. You're still going to have the problem. It's a mechanical issue. So it's a combination of the way you're made and the shoes that you wear. So you have to dictate two different protocol tracks to treat this. You have to treat the chronic inflammatory process, which we re-accentuate with every step of every day. Then you got to address the mechanics that cause it in the first place. And the easiest thing to do with that was, was, was shoes. Now, when you have plantar fasciitis, so for me, it's heel pain and pain right in the middle of my foot. And it's worse right in the morning. First it, step in the morning. And, 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 and that's the first step you just you really hate taking oh, yeah. in the morning. And it was exacerbated when I started running. Uh, quite a bit. What are your other common exacerbating factors besides kind of chronically not wearing the right shoes? So training protocols, for sure. People ramp up and exercise too much too soon, you know, or they do real, like a big thing these days is all these ballistic exercises, like the, you know, the um, camp gladiators, the, uh, you know, these plyometrics, you know, they're jumping on boxes, you know, they're doing these hit exercises where they're doing high intensity training really fast, really hard, and they overload the tissue. It's a simple deal. I mean, it seems the same thing if you started doing boxing every day and go in and do 400 punches. You're going to have an issue in your shoulder. So So when people have this kind of condition, I felt like mine came up pretty quick. Do you think that most people are going to have kind of a fairly quick onset of this type of thing or a slow onset? I'd say probably it's usually more of a gradual onset for most people. I mean, most people, by the time they come to see me, they've been dealing with it for at least two weeks to two months on average. And depending on where you go, so when I was dealing with it, I went to the Good Feet store, and I went oh, to yeah. like we love those people, <laughs> like like podiatrist, <laughs> and I went and I and I bought stuff off the internet for foot braces. And really, the only thing that worked was the thing that somebody told me to do at the very beginning was to stretch my foot before I got up and yeah, walked around in the morning. It's simple things usually. What are some common misconceptions people have about plantar fasciitis and treatment for it? So the biggest issue I see is just like what you said, the over-the-counter um, orthotics or what they call custom orthotics and so forth or inserts that go in the shoe. Most of the stuff out there is poorly, poorly made. It doesn't affect the mechanics that cause it in the first place. When we're talking about an inserts, insert, you know, to change the mechanics of the foot. When you, the, for a custom device, we need an impression of the foot. The only appropriate way to do that is to take a plaster mold, hold the foot in the correct position, then design the device between the ground up to meet the foot. To me, this is a physics problem, all right? So that captures the foot in the appropriate position it should operate in. What a lot of people do is they'll have you step in foam, or they'll have you step on a gate plate that puts a needle image on a computer, looks all high-tech and fancy, but that's capturing the foot in the pathological position. So how do you know where the right position is? You don't. Right. You're looking at it in the wrong place. Yeah. You, you need to look at it in the right place. Exactly. And is that something that most uh, podiatrists will do? They will take a plaster mold and go through that effort? Or will they just kind of give you more generic recommendations? It's funny. For- Even in my small um, podiatric community, there's a difference between whether you're trained on the East Coast versus West Coast, which is interesting. And the West Coast is where the whole concept of biomechanics started. You know, so the, the the real guys that really started this concept started on the West Coast. So the East Coast tends to focus less on that. And even then, if you don't get it in a rotation during your residency, you may not get it at all. You learn the fundamentals. But all during my residency are taught at big teaching institutions. So they farm that stuff out oftentimes. So if you don't get it in a side rotation, you may not give her get good exposure to it. So we're all products of our training. 
And I was very fortunate to do my fellowship under a guy that was phenomenal at this. Was he at Baylor College of Medicine? Because that's the <laughs> finest place to train in the United Baylor? States. Baylor? Uh, I don't know. College, I don't know a place called Baylor. I went to TCU. Houston. I'll give you. <laughs> I'm a horn frog. I'll give you. I'll give you a map. <laughs> There's a big star there. So, um, so when somebody, uh, if if somebody has plantar fasciitis and they're getting over it, and we say we hear you need to wear the right shoes. Yeah. Now I assume that it's not a one shoe fits all no, no, philosophy. I mean, they got to try some out. So, wh- what are they looking for? You know, what should people be looking for when they put on the shoe to know that they're going to do better? Well, there's basic mechanics in a shoe, and on our website we have a video to how tells people how to evaluate shoes. I always have a shoe list that I constantly update every couple months on my on my website. But there's basic tenets. Where this all starts is actually in the heel. The, as a person steps down, the heel will swing out and the arch sags in. All right? and that's what stretches the plantar fascia, and that's what causes your issue. So it's a mechanical issue. So the main, three main tenets I look for in every single shoe I buy, and I tell my patients this every single day of my life. Number one, you need an enclosed heel with a stiff heel counter. So it holds that heel in, plain, in, in good position. So any sandal, any flip-flop, any softback shoe is inherently unstable. I always tell people saying a good sandal is like saying a healthy cheeseburger. I wish it existed, but it doesn't. All right. Then we need a shank in the shoe. The whole concept of a foot is to bend at the toes, so your foot's made to act as a rigid lever. The shoe should mimic that. So when you bend a shoe from end to end, it should only bend in the toes. The toe should never touch the heel. That means there's a plastic shank running down the center of the shoe like we had when we had cobblers making shoes. Most of these shoes, this whole concept of shoes being super flexible, like the foot, the foot isn't flexible except at one point. But it's a way for them to market a crappy shoe. Mm. Right. And then the next thing is a toe box. The toe box needs to be wide and deep. Well, that's great. You know, I'm I'm going on a uh, really long hike with my son. I'm going on uh, to uh, Philmont in uh, New Mexico for a Boy Scout camp, and we mm. got to go 60 miles Ooh. over rough terrain. And uh, the only thing I'm worried about is getting foot pain right in the middle of this thing. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so I'm going to go through every kind of uh, hiking <laughs> shoe I can to make sure I've hit those those Aren't three. Make sure you hit the right one before I leave <laughs> right. today. Aren't you glad we brought yeah. him in? Well, thank you so much, Dr. Cassidy. Uh, you're with Lone Star uh, Podiatry. Your phone number is 512-263-5454. And what is your website? LoneStarPodiatry.com. I cannot thank you more that, to, to, that, than, than joining us. I really appreciate it. And Donna, how do people get a hold of us? You can call us during the week at 512-238-0762. You can send us questions or even Dr. Cassidy questions to armormenshealth at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll get you an answer right away, anonymously, of course. And our website is armormenshealth.com. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Donna. The Armor Men's Health Hour will be right back. If you have questions for Dr. Mystery, email him at armormenshealth at gmail.com. 